There's a chapter in my book that talks about good times don't last, but neither do bad times. Right. Happiness comes, and if I'm happy right now, I'm in full acceptance that at some point in the near future, it's going to go. And maybe sadness will come, but I also know that at some point in the future, that's going to leave as well. And everything else, everything is just rising and falling, rising and falling. And our job as humans to have a really peaceful life anyway is be in the total acceptance of the law of impermanence. Nothing is happening to us. It's just rising and falling. And if you can just be in the observation of that versus being in the reaction to that, so much more peaceful, right? Welcome to Captivate the Room with your host, internationally known voice expert, Tracy Goodwin, an award-winning speaker who has taught hundreds around the globe to make a big impact with their voice. This podcast is for anyone who wants to step onto a bigger stage, make a bigger impact, and have a voice that makes people listen. Presentation matters, and the voice is the missing link. Join in and you'll see why. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Goodwin. And I'm so glad to be with you today as always. Thank you so much for your shares and your downloads and for being a subscriber. I love being on this voice journey with you and I've got quite the episode today. You are absolutely going to love hearing from my guest today. As always, let me remind you, keep an eye on the work with me tab over at CaptivateTheRoom.com and if you haven't been over to CaptivateTheRoom.com lately, check it out because I have a whole new website and I think it's looking pretty good. But go check that out. I am going to be running my big course coming up soon, probably August, which is not that far away. So if you've been thinking that you might like to participate in my small group 10-week coaching program. That's going to be coming up, but just keep an eye on what's going on over there. But today, I have such an amazing guest, another Australian. And while I knew a little bit about this woman, it's just shocking to me how aligned our work is. What she does is, it's not, I mean, it's not voice, but it is so aligned with psychology of the voice. You are going to get so much out of this episode. It just blows my mind. I know I'm going to hear from you after you hear this episode. So Jennifer Forster's with me today, and let me tell you a little bit about her. She's an entrepreneur who holds a master's degree in business and has pioneered change for women abroad, succeeded as a competitive sports person, adventured globally, and solo parented two kids. But as a serial overachiever, her success came at the cost of broken relationships, inner conflict, and burnout. In her book, The Power of a Peaceful Woman, 49 Ways to Drop the Armor and Diffuse the Drama, she shares her 49 practical, real-life lessons that were the catalyst for getting her out of her head and into her heart and ultimately gave her a deeper level of peace, happiness, and aligned her with a purpose-filled, abundant life. You've heard me talk ever since you've known me about getting out of your head, getting connected to the message, the messages in your heart, the voice is the orchestra of your heart, and that's You're going to hear so much more about this today in Jen's work. I met her. I just recently aired the episode with Tyson, and I met her in that group. And I love it. She said, when I heard you say that bit about the voice is the orchestra of the heart, I was so intrigued. I was so fascinated. And we, you know, those people that you meet them and you feel like you've known them your whole life. Like, we have to be careful when we get together because... Three days would go by and we're still talking. And I know you're going to get that feel from Jen as well. As soon as you hear from her, you're going to feel like you've known her your whole life. She has absolutely packed this interview with valuable information. And I know you're going to love it. So let's head on over to the show. 
Jen, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you with me today. Oh, look, I am just honored to be here and chatting with you and your listeners. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I, I still will, I'll forever be flipped out when I, when I, of course, I love people from Australia and my audience knows that I love, love and adore people from Australia, but I will always be flipped out by the fact that you're in the future. <laughs> you're already in the future. You know, it's crazy. You know, I have a, a lot of friends in Canada and America, a lot, a really big group big base of people that I love and adore and, and, and am in communication with regularly. And we joke constantly about me being in the future and, you know, and it's, um, I'm often asked, so, you know, what can you tell me? What can I get prepared for? Oh. What's coming? <laughs> you know? Oh, that's great. That's great. That's great. Well, you know, Jen and I have, uh, Jennifer is her name, but we, we call her Jen and not known each other very long. We met in a group of a mutual friend and were introduced to each other. And I was so interested in the work that she did. But, you know, you have those people that you meet in your life and you feel like you've known them. You're, you feel like you've known them forever. In fact, we had to stop chatting to get to recording or we would have sat here, you know, just those people that you're really lined up with. And this is definitely one of them. And the work that she does speaks especially to my heart because of my story and because of my background, because I'm a single mother of a special needs child, but just so much goodness that I, I felt like Jen could bring to the table for you guys. So let's just start. Let's just start. We don't have to go all the way back to the beginning of your life, but let's start with the beginning of what it is you do now. So what, what do I do now? It's like loaded question. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> That'll really be the is. hardest one. That'll be the hardest question of the whole interview. Yeah. Look, if I had to put it in a sentence, I would say that um, I help uh, overthinkers who are stuck in their heads get out of their heads so that they can make really clear, really confident uh, laser-focused decisions and choices. If I had to put it in a sentence, that's probably what I would say. Um, how did I come to do that? Probably because for a good decade of my life, I lived in the space of overthinking and trying to create the life I wanted from the space that is called overthinking, which is just basically being stuck in our heads. You know, we're, we're up in our heads having an argument with a voice that isn't even us. It's not even who we are, but we are in constant, not only constant um, dialogue, the narrative of that voice is just going all day long. And yeah. for me, the first step in, in really creating experiential change in my life was to begin to cultivate a relationship and a friendship, if you will, with that voice, with that narrative. Um, I refer to, to that now as, as my patterns. So I, if you can imagine um, when I'm walking along, there is a little trail of me's, you know, that are trailing along behind me. If you've ever seen the movie, I think it's called Inside Out. It's an animated movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's yeah. all the... Yeah, so it's I see it like that for myself, and I think it's true for us all. There are a bunch of patterns, patterned versions of me that live inside of me that have been created from experiences, often in our childhood. And I'm not necessarily talking about tragic or traumatic experiences. Mm -hmm. Sometimes our patterns are created by really good things. You know, we may create a pattern from the association of um, when I do this, it makes someone happy. And so yeah. we then create, we might have a pattern that's that's a nurturing pattern. You know, I, one of my most dominant patterns is I have this overachieving pattern. And when I became aware of that and, and did the work to just have a look and see where that was born, um, it, it came from a really beautiful moment in my childhood. You know, I was in grade one and I, I won um, a citizenship award in grade one, you know, and I'm sure that there are a, a bunch of other awards given out on this particular day. But, but this little five-year-old me went from this um, unconscious, you know, little girl wearing long socks and white sandals and in a yellow dress 
to, you know, being completely oblivious to the world and what I did in the world um, to suddenly realising that when I do something good, which is win, achieve, succeed, everyone around me really loves me because that day I won that award, I got an experience from my parents, my siblings, my relatives, the community that was so overwhelming for that five-year-old that I made up this pattern, you know, uh, wow, whoa, mm. when I win, I get love. But the, the back of the hand pattern, which is just as strong, you know, we have a front of hand and back of hand pattern, the back of the hand pattern for me was if I don't succeed, win, achieve, I won't be loved. Now, this plays out, of course, as this dominates every choice and decision you literally make going forward, not consciously, but unconsciously. You know, I was known for being, you know, um, a goal setter. I was known for being, for, you know, achieving anything I set my mind to. I was known for, um, you know, for being competitive, you know. Oh, Jen, she's so competitive, right? Which is great. Now, I'm, I, you know, I want to be clear here and say that even though we, you know, even when we do discover these patterns that are unconsciously running our life, it doesn't mean we have to stop being them. My overachiever has served me. But where she hasn't served me is when I've been setting goals unconsciously or looking to achieve something unconsciously because I have this hidden belief that that's how I'm going to get love. I'll be loved if I achieve. Now, it's also really, um, it's also derailed me as well because it's also stopped me from going after things that I don't, but if I don't think I can achieve it or if I don't think it's something I'm good at, I won't go after it because why would I go after something that I can't achieve? Because if I don't achieve, then I'm not going to be loved. So I'm, you know, it serves, but it's, but it will derail you as well. So, so what do you do? Once you become aware of your patterns and, and really can be, be in a relationship with them, at least, you know, be aware of them, which is the starting point. Um, from there, you get to consciously choose. Do I want to be over nurturing in this situation? Do I want to achieve in this situation? Do I want to um, you know, win in this situation? Do I, you get to, do I really want to set this goal? Why am I setting this goal? What am I looking to get from doing this action or whatever it is, whatever the pattern is, you know? Um, so, so yeah, so, it's really so, yeah. So hold on before you get too far down the tracks, because I want to nut some of this out just a little bit. This is really, really good. And this is, this is literally the psychology piece of psychology of the voice. I didn't realize until I, hear, I heard you say it just how close it really is. We have this experience. We have this one phrase that then determines how we're going to use our voice the rest of our life. Hey, nobody wants to hear what you have to say. Little Susie stops talking because then mama's nice. It's the same setup. It sounds like exact, it's exactly, is exactly the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah, for sure. And it's all playing out just like psychology of the voice is playing out subconsciously. People are, until I say this to them, most people have never, ever thought about it. So these things are running and running and running all the time. Now I want to, I want to break down the, you know, how do you find them? How do you get rid of them? All of that. But something that popped into my mind when you were talking about this, I want to go all the way back to overthinking because mm. all of my people are thinkers. They are oh, yeah. up in their head. Try, I mean, everybody is clearly. Everybody. But I, everybody. Right. But, and that's the first thing I do is I get them back in the now. But I was curious about your thought and, and everything you've said. Okay, I love all of that. But is there an element of awareness of overthinking linked to control? Is that, is that kind of what you're yeah, talking about? Like I can control yeah. how you feel about me, so I got to think and get it all. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. Look, I really do believe that the overthinking 
comes from the the fundamental of being human okay mm-hmm. so we you know the 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 humans are wired to survive that's mm-hmm. in our DNA we are wired to for our species to survive so how do you survive you survive by being right mm-hmm. how do you be right you be in control of everything that's going on outside of you that's how you stay right see I'm right yeah. so yeah, control absolutely because all overthinking is is do I do this or I do this? Do I say yes or do I say no? Do I go left or do I go right? Is this right? Is this wrong? Am I wrong to be right? Am I right to be wrong? Yeah. All we're doing is trying to survive. Everything is really coming back to that unconscious awareness of we're just playing out our humanness, right? We're just in our humanness. But absolutely, overthinking is just a, a version of, of being in control so we survive. Yeah. Yeah. You said a lot of good stuff right there. I, I, I really love that. That dance is so close to black and white thinking because many, many people that I work with are locked into black and white thinking right and wrong. I've got to get it right. And that's what you're talking about. But that mm-hmm. leads me to the question, and I'm kind of derailing now a little bit, but the struggle to make decisions because when I've got not, not every not everybody's as intense as, as some, but I've got some that like my son <laughs> that will literally should I buy the game online or digital? I don't. I mean, you know, should I digital or hard copy? You know, and is mm-hmm. that that's that if I make the wrong it, decision, well, it's wrong. That's death, right? And if it's yeah. wrong, it's death. But it's not yeah, death, right? To the truth of who we are, it's just death to an egoic pattern that is living in us mm-hmm. um, rent-free, I kind of say. Yeah, you know, like our, right. our unconscious patterns just live in us rent-free. All, all there is to do, and, and I, I heard you say before about getting rid of them, I, I don't believe that it's necessary to get rid of them. And, in fact, I think if we are trying to get rid of them, we're really just um, hanging on to them. You know, we're just, you know, that which you resist persists. Mm-hmm. The way that I've found to be most helpful for me and the people I work with is to help you to learn how to cultivate a friendship, a relationship. We need to learn how to be in relationship with all these patterns that we have. We can't get rid of them. They're, 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 in, they're, they're why we're who we are. To get rid of them would be to flip the switch and have us become a robot, you know. And these patterns do serve us in some way. Well, when I say get rid of, what I mean is rewrite the story. Right, yes. We rewrite. Yeah. We, I, we, we, I wanted to, yeah. yeah I wanted no. to give that to the listeners, though. That, yeah, I know totally. It, I have yeah. people that work that I work with that go, well, how do I get rid of it? How do no, I, no, it's I rewriting the story. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that's what it is. It's just we're believing something that isn't necessarily true. Like, okay, you, are you really an idiot? No, I don't. Mm. Is that ultimately true? So it's mm. the reframe of mm. that story to make it work for us. Mm. That's that's what, what you mean. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things I try and encourage um, people I work with to do is to, can you be in the practice of holding two truths? Most of us have one truth about mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And the one truth is that right, wrong, which, as we've established, comes back to the, the DNA of being human, surviving. Yeah. But can you, can you, you know, I often do this with my clients, you know, when they're certain that, you know, it's got to be this way, you know, why can't I do this? Why, you know, I invite them to hold both truths. Could you hold both truths in this moment with you right now? Mm. Could you be with the yes of this? And can you be with the no of this? Can you be with, um, you know, I often use the example of tattoos. I have quite a few tattoos mm. and I love them and I think they're beautiful. My One of my sisters doesn't and she doesn't think they're beautiful. Mm. But I and she, we hold the tr- two truths about them. You know, I hold the truth of, yes, they are beautiful and I love them and, yes, they are not beautiful and other people don't love them. I hold, yeah. I can hold those two truths and I am the space that can hold those two truths. When I, and I can hold more than two truths, but to help, you know, to get people on the, the road of being able to hold multiple truths 
that's oh, it, it's that. the most peaceful God. place to be. Talk if about can, freedom. It's so it's the ultimate freedom. It's the it's ultimate inner freedom. freedom. Yeah. 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 And, you know, as you were, and I don't, and, I, and we're not going to go down this track today because, because we're just not, but we were, <laughs> we were, we were talking about the tumultuousness of, of the world right now, but especially in America mm-hmm. before we started. And God, it just yeah. it was like a light bulb. It's like, we've got people, I'm holding the tattoos are good. You're holding the tattoos are bad and I'm not holding your truth. And no. if we could just hold both oh, truths. Oh. Yeah. Then that puts us into what I believe is it puts us into the truth of who we are. It puts us into our aligned consciousness. Now imagine if 8 billion people were making choices and decisions from their peaceful, aligned Mm. consciousness. Wow. It's it's like it gives me goosebumps, Tracy. I mean, honestly, it's really... This is world-changing stuff. And, yeah. and so many of us try, and this is the the, you know, this is where I see people coming undone. And as I said, I'm I'm speaking this from a decade of experience. You know, how did I come to understand yeah. this? Well, I embodied it over 10 years. You know, I, I use myself as a lab rat in my mm-hmm. own um, science lab. You know, I put my my life under the microscope day in, day out. And I still do. I yeah. still question everything i still am curious about everything what was that reaction you know oh what something just happened and i just felt something in my body what was that you know Mm -hmm. and it's sometimes it's it's this it's the dumbest things right you know sometimes you could just open your refrigerator and you go oh i just felt a i felt something i don't know what i'd call it but i just felt something an email might drop in and you go and you get that's the first place to to really get in touch with this stuff you know is to you feel something that doesn't quite feel um, right, for want of a better word. Yeah, it's just this, this, this. You know, people call it a trigger. You know, being impacted, um, foreign sensation, a new. You know, like just feeling like something's off. And when that happens to me, for me, I began to realize that it's it's a it's an imprint that's sitting in my central nervous system. That who knows how it got there, and it really yeah. doesn't matter. Right, right. But what matters is what do I do with it now, you know, and do I make my choices and decision from that level, you know, from that level Mm -hmm. of me, or do I make my choices and decision from the the silence that is there underneath that? It's it's always there, but we often, we're all generally making our decisions from the noise that's inside us, you know, from the, the, and, and, you know, people, you know, will say, um, uh, you know, that you have thoughts and then you have feelings. I really believe it's the other way around. I, even if you aren't even fully aware that you've had a feeling or, or, or like, um, in Vipassana, they, they call it a sensation. Mm -hmm. There are sensations occurring in our body all the time, mm-hmm. nonstop. Mm-hmm. We're just not attuned to them. You know, we're I, just not attuned to them. But those sensations are occurring and those are the sensations that that um, then create the thought process that then comes after the sensation. Whether yeah. you feel the sensation or not, that's, I think, where our thoughts are coming from. But then our thoughts are what get all noisy and, right. and where we then start to react and respond from. Right. But under that noise is, is, is a stillness and a silence that mm-hmm. exists in all of us. If yeah. we can get to there even 10% of the day, even 5% of the day, if we can get into that silence and make our choices and decisions from that silence, yeah. wow, yeah. wow, life-changing. Relationships, you know, would it's, it's mind-blowing. Just every area of your life could be transformed once you start to make decisions from the silence that sits under the noise. Well, and, and you're so spot on and I'm so in agreement. And, the, and there's a couple of thoughts that came into my mind, you know, I, I, immediately as you started talking about that, I, I always know when somebody's going to die. Like I, I see it, I know it, I feel it. And I, that made me think about that. But wow. I remember, yeah, oh yeah. Like I knew the week that my mother, I, I mean, it was just, it, it just wouldn't stop. And I knew, and I kept getting this, 
you've got to call your mother. You've got to call your mother. You've got to call. I mean, I knew. Same thing with my grandparents, but all of them, I actually dreamed it too. But my mother used to always say constantly, and of course, my mother was very wise, and I, I feel like there's so much wisdom in all of this. We have to have wisdom. But my mother used to say, if you have no peace about it, you do not go. You do not do it. And those are, right? I mean, those are words me and my sisters have lived by. I mean, just the other day, my older sister said, if you don't have peace about going back to New York, you don't go. And you know that. Mm-hmm. And I said, I know, oh, and I, I don't have that. peace. And that's why I am keep extending uh, LA. It's not because I, you know, it's maybe it is related to decision, but it's that I don't, I'm not grounded in peace. And I, Correct. and it, you know, it made me think of when I, I teach about tentacles out and tentacles in. Are your tentacles out letting the world decide who you get to be and how you get to be? Or did you bring your tentacles back in and you decide how you're going to use your voice? And I hear so much of that in this. And we're so busy with our phone and our this and our that. And and we've got to be entertained. The thought of stillness traumatizes us. Because then we're left to look at this, right? Mm. But we really need well, to bring the tentacles in, right? Yeah. I have a little, I'll share this with um, everyone now because it's it's a really simple tool that I um, that I speak about a lot. And it's just, it, um, I, I believe I made it up. I haven't heard anyone else use it, but I call it, um, it's my still method, mm. S-T-I-L-L. So okay. how do we get to the silence? How do we get to that quiet place? And of course, you know, look, this is a practice, but this is a really simple 60-second practice that you can begin to cultivate, which will get you into, you know, a bigger version of it. So STILL, I use the acronym STILL, S-T-I-L-L. So when I feel the sensation, I then move into STILL. The S is STOP. S stands for STOP. So just Mm -hmm. STOP. You felt a sensation in your body. You felt something, STOP. The T is take a breath. Why do we take a breath? Because we need to get into our body. We need to go from our mind into our body. That's where our truth lives. It doesn't live in our mind. Our right. mind is a is a really great tool that if we use it effectively, we'll do everything that the truth of us wants us to do, but we're just not telling it. We're not giving it any instruction. So taking a breath, that's the T. Yeah. Um, the I is go inward. We need to turn our eyeballs back into our head and go inward to the sensation, to the noise around the sensation. What, are you, what, are you, what is the narrative? What is the, the, the voice wanting to say? And we're not, list, we're not inward with that noise to fix it or to make it stop. Mm. We just want to listen. We just want to be there, which is the next L. We want to be listening. So listen to the noise. Eventually, it's going to go silent, right? It's going to get quieter. You know when you have a loud talker, if you ignore them, what do they do? They yeah. just get loud, right? Yeah. But if you have a loud talker, if you if you just give them your full attention, they eventually say everything that they want to say and then they go, huh, I'm done. Yeah. That's so- what we need to be doing when we go inward. We need to go inward, listen to the, the loud voices, let it talk till it's got nothing else to start, say. And then the final L is lead. Lead yourself from that quiet stillness. Mm, so it's that. a simple, simple tool still. Stop, yeah, take a break, great. go in, listen and lead. Yeah. And I use it all the time. I use it in sometimes moment-to-moment decisions when I feel I'm up in my head. I use it sometimes in long, you know, I, I have a, uh, a long med- a meditation practice. I call it a stillness practice, but for people to kind of get what I'm talking about, it's a meditation practice. But essentially all I do, I don't um, burn incense and chant om or, you know, you can. I love that. Believe me, I love all that stuff. But my stillness practice is exactly that. Um, I've done this for a couple of years now. Every day I find an hour and I sit in stillness. I just literally sit down anywhere, close my eyes, and just watch and observe the movie of me. Yeah. And and more we do that, the quieter our that that inner narrative, that overthinking mind, 
it starts to quieten down and it quietens down faster. It really just wants to be heard. Yeah. And that's, you know, every voice wants to be heard and every voice I believe deserves to be heard, you know? And so when we refuse to listen, that's why people repeat themselves or seek validation is they need to know that you heard them. But this still thing, this still practice, I especially love it because, and I get that our meditation and the, the, the person who introduced us did just two hours of meditation a day or longer. And I've a mad respect for that. But it's really interesting that so many Australians especially have said to me over the years, you Americans are mad driven. Y'all are like insane with your work ethic. And that's, of course, my number. Everybody knows that's my number one issue is I'm a workaholic. I try not to be, but that's my albatross. And we're so driven over here that I can hear listeners going, right, sure, I'm going to sit down and do for an hour. And and that is definitely a goal for sure. But there's so Mm. much merit to this just stop, Mm. look inward, take a breath, you know? I mean... And I know, um, you know, Tyson, who's at the beautiful friend that connected us, and he says this as well. Um, but, well, he says, you know, meditation doesn't take time. It makes time. And yeah. I, I honestly believed when I first, uh, you know, I, I was in argument with meditation for, again, a good decade of my life. You know, mm-hmm. it was, I didn't have time to meditate. Yeah, I'm sure it's a great tool, but I'm going to go find a more doing tool, you know, something that's <laughs> yes. tangible, right? Yes. That's, that's my thing. And, and when I finally gave, you know, this, my, this stillness practice, which again is, you know, is, and there's various forms of meditation and I love them all, but this particular practice, sitting in stillness and sitting in silence, for me, um, you know, I said it's been a couple of years now where I, where I have this consistent daily practice. What it does is the stuff that I think has to be done and, you know, I've got to do this, 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 and this, the more I give um, value to that, that hour, the more I start to realise that all this stuff that I think I have to do, that is also not the truth of me that thinks it has to be done. It is also a pattern that needs mm. to be doing because it also gets some kind of love or validation by doing. That's yeah. a very common pattern that will show up in a million different ways in all of us. But but humans need to do because we've been conditioned to believe that, um, and th- this I think came out, you know, largely, um, and there's lots of studies on this, but I think this largely came out of the Industrial Revolution, you know, the, mm-hmm. the lack and scarcity, the work ethic of having to work, 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 yeah. work, work. What you, you know, then the hierarchical system came in and, you know, and you got promotions and the higher up the ladder you went, the bigger your fortune mm-hmm. and the bigger your portfolio and your, the bigger your house and, you know, and, of course, from that, it, you know, bread the, bread breeds lack, you know. It's like, if well, if we don't do this, we won't have that. Well, that's yeah. coming from, you know, from, from the don't have energy, right? So yeah. I think meditation for so many people is a difficult concept because it, it butts up against, mm-hmm. but I'm not doing anything, you know, Um you know, I, I and I'm a doer. I was a, I, as I said, I was a classic. I am a classic yeah. overachiever. Yeah. You know, but I'm a conscious overachiever now. And and I um, I I have this mantra now that I really live by. So when I get into a state of I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, which is a human thing. I'm never not going to have that happen, no matter. I tell people all the time, I'm not Zen Gen, right? You know, yeah. I don't. You know, I, I am a human being having a human experience. Mm-hmm. So when I feel myself up in the in the I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, my response to that is do nothing. So when I don't know what to do, I do yeah. nothing. What do nothing mean? Do nothing means I, I use my still method, right? Yeah. Get still because the part of me that wants that has an urgency around doing isn't me. That's not yeah. the truth of me. Because the truth of me doesn't have any urgency about anything. It doesn't negotiate anything. It doesn't need this to happen before this happens. You know, if you can feel that in any of your choices or decision making, if you feel you're negotiating, if you're 
if you feel you're in argument, if you feel that sense of urgency, I want to offer that it is not the truth of who you are that is looking to make that decision. That is a pattern that thinks that from negotiating or from the, the result, you're going to get something that is going to feed an internal yeah. lacking. Yeah. And I'm, the truth of it is not lacking anything. Right. Right. But that, I love where you were going with that. It really, it's really got me thinking because I was raised by a massive workaholic and my parents, you know, my dad fought in the Korean war. Well, first of all, he was a native American Indian that grew up on a reservation with nothing. And then great depression, Korean war, you know, I mean, literally embodiment of lack mentality. We're talking a group of people that rewashed their foil, you know? And so isn't it going to be interesting? Like I've not raised my son that way. My son is very far from a workaholic. I am still Mm -hmm. challenged with it, but isn't that interesting? I wonder if over the longevity of as those boomers and those, I don't even know what my, my parents would have been beyond boomers because, because I'm at the mm. cusp of boomer yeah, that, I'm that boomer. eradicate, you know, it's, it's gone. And mm. so I'm, didn't raise my child that way, even though I was raised that way. It, it, that's mm-hmm. almost encouraging in many, many ways because lack Look, mortality I, is horrific. Yeah. I, and I think it is encouraging. I think it's encouraging for anyone who um, is any is in any kind of resistance to doing this deep inner work? Yeah. Know that doing this deep inner work isn't just going to shift your life. It's it's actually going to contribute to generational change. Yeah. It will contribute to generational change. Oh yeah, hundred so, percent. You know. Yeah. So so when you when we're doing this, yeah, we're we're kind of it's it, you know how do we change the world? We do the deep inner work for ourselves. You know. We, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's fascinating stuff. I love it's it. Fascinating. I, well, I live it. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. And see, I do too. Do we all have the choice to do the work? And and some of us become aware, and others is that a pattern of not becoming aware because I don't want to do the. I mean, what's up? What can you talk about that? Yeah, look, I for me anyway, I think it's really we're every single human being is on their own journey of evolution we're not all at the same um level or speed and and not to put any there's no level on this no if you're thinking thinking more of if you think of this more as ripples like Mm -hmm. expansively we're all um rippling our evolution is rippling and expanding at a different um a different pace yeah And I I do, I really do believe that there will be people that go to their grave um, that will never um, expand beyond where they are. And and I think part of the work, if you are doing this deep inner work, is being in the acceptance of that, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Being in the acceptance because being in the acceptance is really just removing any judgments around, you know, how the, again, you know, we just get pulled into this wanting to fix the outside world, right? Mm. But, you know, why can't so-and-so, you know, I don't know about my kids. I don't know at what level they, mm. you know, they, they think I'm a, you know, that they don't really know what I do, to be honest. Mm. But, yeah. but, but they are very um, interested in having conversations with me, you know, mm. and, and I, I, yeah. Gosh, you know, I'm thinking about my, you know, um, just some people I know that will never expand their awareness beyond where their awareness is. Mm. And that's okay. That's absolutely perfect because, you know, this whole process for humanity is an individual process. We're all playing a part, you know, we're all doing whatever it is that we're we're here to do and i think if we can again hold two truths let's go back to that hold more than one truth about where you know where we all are in this process and that everyone is contributing you know we're all contributing regardless of you know where we deem our evolution process to be we're we're all contributing right we're all a very vital thread in this tapestry of humanity 
hundred percent, hundred percent. And this reminds me of something that I teach people a lot when they come and they're, well, I need you to teach me how to communicate with my sister or my, you know, I've nutted all that out. It, it, it breaks my heart for her. And so I want her to be able to let that go. But I talk about the gallon and the pint and there's gallon people and there's pint people and, and none is better than the other. But you cannot, we cannot expect a gallon out of a pint. And that's what we do. That's what yeah. many, many people, even in their communication and how they use their voice and, and they get a tone and it's, you got that tone because you're talking to him like he's a gallon and he's not. Yeah. Don't yeah. expect the I, gallon out, but you know, expect the yeah. best pint out of him. I think it was Einstein. Well, at least the internet says it was Einstein. So mm. Miss Einstein, if this wasn't you, my apologies, but I, I did read an Einstein quote that says, if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, yeah. you're going to deem it to be stupid. Yeah. But a fish's purpose isn't to climb a tree. Right. A fish's purpose is to swim in the, in the water. Same so thing. So I think we, it's exactly the gallon pine thing made me yeah. think of that. It's exactly the same. You know, we need to be in acceptance of every single human being where they are. You know, mm-hmm. I often say, you, you know, everyone's got their be kind T-shirt, you know, right. um, and, and I love that. I think kindness is a really important attribute for us all to practice more of. But I think an equally important practice to begin to bring into our daily lives is can we be kind to the unkind? Yes. That, that's where the work is at, I think. You know, it's easy to be oh, kind yeah. to the and we kind to the unkind. Well, and that's, I teach that is you've got to lean into empathy in your mind. You just, because they took a tone with you, you cannot come back with a tone. You've got to immediately go to empathy because that, you know, I I don't even, probably one of my first, maybe my first master's degree, the kid that's behaving the worst in the room, that's the last one you send out, not the first one, right? Because we've, 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 it's all tied together. Acceptance, two truths, you know, uh, and that's our choice. You know, that's his choice. But just because you attack me, mm-hmm. I did not go to the place of, you know, I call it leaning into neutrality. And in your mind, mm-hmm. you're going to the place of empathy. And in your tone, you're going to neutrality because a tone can decimate someone forever. Totally. forever. No matter what, yeah, no matter what you say, right? Right. You know, doesn't matter the words it's the tone in which you use them I love yeah Yeah, so you can you can cut me to the bone and I can drag something around from the time I was four because I felt the tone don't remember what you said but I felt you know and that was that was my story yeah I mean I was raised by a narcissistic mother and and I truly I think I don't know if you and I talked about no it was Tyson when he had me on his show we talked about is that and I get this question a lot is that how you learn to discern sounds the way you just because I can tell you how they're being processed and I have to believe that it was because I was trying to navigate a minefield and I had and I was a little child, so I honed into that sound means this, that's safe. Go there. I love this. I love this because this goes, this lends itself, or at least, you know, this is what I believe, when I was saying before about, you know, where there's sensations occurring in our yeah. body. Sounds can trigger a sensation in your body. You don't even know what the sound has got to do with it right you know you don't yeah. you, you may even be aware that you've heard a sound but i right. yeah i'm really on board with that fully i think sound definitely has a um plays a part in creating these these patterns and these mm-hmm. imprints that we mm-hmm. you know that we then uh, react and respond from and call them us and they're not us yeah know, they're not us yeah but we we just lock it in subconscious just locks it in makes a decision determines what it is good number one goal like you said to keep us safe and we don't even know it's going down (laughs) right we don't even think to question it we just but but but, you know that that too um my book uh uh i've i've got my book written in a way that uh, i wrote it in a way that I refer to, uh, th- there are 12-ish lessons in, in four stages. 
Um, so the, the book is called The Power of a Peaceful Woman and essentially it's made up of my 49 ways to drop the armour and diffuse the drama. So, but each one, each sort of, um, there are four parts and I call it the four stages of experiential transformation. And inside of those four stages, and just to explain that a little bit too, you know, to me uh, there is intellectual transformation, which feels good, and then there's experiential transformation that actually creates change. You know, Mm -hmm. one of those Mm -hmm. where we've become almost, um, you know, humanity's become and become addicted to wisdom, I believe, and I think wisdom makes us feel good but it doesn't create any kind of change. Um, let, me, let, me, let me ask you a question on that real quick, and I want you to keep talking about the book. When you say wisdom, mm. that to me feels like that knowing. Where are you, do you mean more like knowledge? Knowledge, like, yeah. I, knowledge got a, I got a master's the, degree, so I'm good. Okay, 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 okay. But gathering, yeah. you know, we're always in search of more knowledge. Knowledge, more knowledge yeah, okay, knowledge. awesome, yeah. So, so a really quick example is, you know, something happens in our life and it and, and, and we don't like it, it feels awful, um, might be a, you know, you have a conflict with a partner. So the first thing you do is you go in search of some knowledge to, to fix that problem. Okay, I need some knowledge to fix that problem. And then you, you might find a course or a yeah. podcast or a yeah. book or a, or a um, seminar. You go to that or attend any of that, then somewhere in there you hear something that mm-hmm. resonates. Now that resonance, you know, the resonance of that piece of knowledge makes you feel good, almost yeah. dulls the pain, right? And then you leave the podcast, the book, the seminar, or whatever. You go back to life, and for a little bit, it feels, oh, okay, that that was good. I learned that. Now it feels good. But then it comes back, right? The mm-hmm. problem comes back again because you haven't actually integrated the knowledge into your life. So to me, intellectual knowledge or yeah. wisdom. Um, feels good, but experiential knowledge and wisdom is what will create change. However, that also feels clunky, right? It doesn't, you know, it's not that, you know, instant drug hit, which, you know, Mm. knowledge can be. Um, It's like, for example, if I gave gave you a a completely thorough manual on how to drive a car, Mm -hmm. um, right down to how to change the tires, how to, you know, why you put on your seatbelt. You could literally teach, you know, master's degrees in how to drive a car. Yeah. But then if I actually gave you a car and said, okay, now drive the car, totally you're going to go, wait, what? It's totally, totally different. different. So that's what this is. So so the four stages for me of experiential transformation, are, which is circling back to mm-hmm. what I said at the start, the first stage of that to me is awareness. Mm-hmm. The second stage is acceptance. Mm. The third stage is area of control. What can I? What can and can't I control? Mm. And then actualization. So how do we how do we actualize this process so that it's it's happening on an ongoing basis in our lives? You know, um, but awareness awareness to me is that's how we. Be, get into the yeah. work. Yeah. The work is just simply cultivating our awareness, expanding yeah. our awareness, becoming masterful at self observation. I, you know, I encourage the people I work with to spend time in um, as the third party of you. So I will say to people I work with, you know, as you're going about your day, just be in, be in the third party of yourself. If you can catch yourself in thinking about something or or having a conversation in your head can you you know interrupt that with with who's 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 saying that who's asking that question so be the third party of you the the third party of your thoughts the third party yeah. of your narrative um that's just cultivating self self observation and self awareness become masterful at observing yourself and observing your reactions and observing your triggers and observe and not to judge or do anything with them, but get, let's get into the practice of observing them first, because then you have an opportunity to move into acceptance and being okay with what you can and can't control. So, so let me ask you this. I, I love this. And, and I've just have an example and I, I feel like this is what you're 
this is exactly what you're saying. It was probably three years into living in LA when I realized that it was a trauma ride every time I took my son to school because people, the way they drove here. And it probably went three years. There's probably a couple of years. And I had to stop and stop being mad at them for the way they drove. I had to look at why does that upset you so much, Tracy? What is it within you that sets you off when they don't put their blinker on? That's what yeah. you're talking about right there. It's not even I about them. It. It's not even about them. It's, it's about what's age. going on in me. Yeah, yeah, I love this. This yeah. is so the work. Calm, this is the work. This to is calm, the work. To have a really peaceful, calm life yeah. begins with being being really peaceful and calm internally. Yeah. No matter what is happening outside of you. Yeah. And you can't have a, you know, in my mind, I'm going, I can't help it, but go back to what's going on in the world right now. But that's that emotional reaction. We just stay in that emotion of if you don't turn your blinker on and then we're mad all day and then we go and do dumb junk, right? Yeah. 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 Well, we carry it with us, you know, that that, um, the the angst about why the hell didn't they turn on their blinker? that doesn't leave us. It actually stays inside our body. And so imagine, imagine lifetimes of that inside us. Right. You know, I think of it in terms of, you know, you know, I I want um, the universe to be able to co-create through me. Right. Right. But how can the universe do anything if I'm full of all that shit? Right. 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 For real for the universe to come in and create me when I'm full of upset and angst about stuff that I have no control over, no control, no control over and never will. And never will, you know, um, but Pashana, uh, teaches that it took, you know, they, they really, uh, the whole, uh, so Vipassana for anyone that doesn't know what it is, it's basically, um, it's a, um, a a meditation course. It's a 10 day Okay, and you sit. You um, you're in silence for ten days, and you meditate for eleven, twelve hours a day. Yeah. Um, but but the the basis of of vipassana is all around uh, the law of impermanence, and and coming into that acceptance of the law of impermanence. So mm. we as humans, you know, if you say to to someone. So you know the universe, you know how all the stars are shifting and moving and, the you know, sometimes, you know, suns explode and there's, you know, it's always changing. And, and, and humans will go, yeah, I get that, totally get that. I mean, we don't even have Pluto in our solar system. But as humans, we're like, yeah, the universe is always changing. I get that. You know, and, and we also get it around um, nature. So we understand that trees grow, they die, they return to the earth. Look, you could love summer as much as you like, but eventually, you know, mm-hmm. autumn's coming. Mm-hmm. So we're in acceptance of that as well. We're in acceptance of, of impermanence in those areas. But where as humans we come undone is we are in complete resistance to the law of impermanence happening inside of our thoughts, feelings, emotions, situations. We are constantly trying to cling to, to yeah. happiness, to, to group, group, you know, all the emotions into happiness. There's many of them. And we're constantly trying to resist or avert sadness or yeah. everything that yeah. all the below the line thing. So we're in this constant fight with yeah. I only want happiness and I don't want sadness. So we're constantly clinging and aver- averting something that we have no control over because the law of impermanence governs our whole universe. So, you know, I've, there's a chapter in my book that talks about good times don't last, but neither do bad times. Right. Happiness comes, and if I'm happy right now, I'm in full acceptance that at some point in the near future it's going to go, and maybe sadness will come. But I also know that at some point in the future that's going to leave as well. And everything else, everything is just rising and falling, rising and falling. And our job as humans to have a really peaceful life anyway is be in the total acceptance Mm -hmm. of the law of impermanence. Nothing is happening to us. It's just rising and falling. And, w- and yeah. if you can just be in the observation of that versus being in the reaction to that, also so much more peaceful, right? Even yeah. thinking that kind of has me, you know, I kind of can breathe out a little more, you right. know, I've got a bit more in my lungs when I go, yeah. oh, 
okay, I'm not in control of anything. <sighs> okay, I can be okay with that. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's a mind bend for someone who's a control freak, which I used to be. Right. But I realised how much energy I was <sighs> wasting. Like it was sucking the life out of me mm-hmm. trying to be in control of everything. And, and, in, and for me, at least, I, you know, where that led me was um, the manifestation of that was burnout and adrenal mm-hmm. fatigue and chronic fatigue. You know, I mm-hmm. ended up with all of that happening and couldn't understand why that was really happening when really I was burning all of my energy trying to be in control of everything, mm-hmm. everything. You yeah. know, I needed to be in control of everything. You know, well, even my kids, you know, right. I, I, this is, this is, you know, maybe one for the parents as well. So, you know, we, we're often really clinging to only, only wanting our kids to experience happiness. But what got me mm-hmm. uh, into a deeper awareness there is when I started to realize that me trying to only have my kids experience happiness and keeping them at a constant level of happiness, I was actually robbing them of the lessons that the universe was trying to give them yeah. for their yeah. own expansion. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I call I call that stop putting God in a box is what <laughs> I call that. Right. People go, I don't know why my life still looks the same. You know, I've I've done all this stuff, but but that's not the truth of you probably didn't do that. Your pattern yeah. did all that. You know, I needed to try. You know, if you've got a pattern that has to try, when you try hard, you got love for being a good trier. You know, you you mm-hmm. got love for trying hard. Yep. You know, there's millions of versions of these. You know, that depending on our experiences. Yeah, yeah. So you, you're going to continue to you know to set up your life where you get to try. So it's almost so like be right. right. <laughs> so it's that. It's that. Well, if I think I'm a failure then I'm going to go out unconsciously and seek proof to validate yeah. that I am that's a failure. Right. That's what you're saying. That's, yeah. That's, oh, that's, that's amazing. You know, like some people have patterns around being seen. You know, I, I have yeah. a pattern around being seen. So, um, so for me, I will often almost sabotage myself, not so much now because I have, have a, I've, got, I've got a book of my patterns and I'm, learning more about them every day but I used to almost sabotage myself and um and and make it so that I wouldn't be seen like hold myself back so that I could be right yeah see people don't see me yeah yeah that's it and yet and yet I'm going I want to be seen I want to be seen but I'm actually doing the actions so that I don't get seen so I can be right see I'm right I'm not being seen right that's Uh, that's the the pattern just doing its thing. Yeah. We have to interrupt these patterns, right? Yeah. And then at the beginning of the show, you said we, we're running hundreds of them. We're yes. running hundreds of them at all times. Yeah. All the time, but around the clock. You, if you can start to get a handle on some of the big ones, they will start to um, unravel yeah. the patterns under the patterns. You know, we've got yeah. patterns under patterns. You oh, know? for and sure. This is not, you know, this is not to overwhelm anybody, but... Um, you know, we'll all have a dominant pattern that, that that there's lots of little patterns that sit underneath it, or the pattern will show up differently in different of different, uh, you know, uh, the different key areas of life. Mm-hmm. But just beginning with one is a great start. You know what's real interesting? I can hear all the levels of voice. Like I constantly tell people, I hear the underbelly. And the underbelly is very different than where I hear the top level. I wonder if that's what I'm hearing. I wonder mm-hmm. if I'm hearing that all the, I wonder if all the patterns have a different sound and I'm hearing the yeah. sounds because I can literally, yeah. I can literally go, okay, I know you're a nurturer. That's not your top layer, but it's a couple of layers down. It's there. It's under. I can hear that. Yeah. I call it the underbelly and I bet I'm hearing the it. patterns. Mm-hmm. I bet that's what I'm hearing. And they're all very, they have a different sound. They have a different tonality. Yeah. They're brought to the surface different vocally. I agree a hundred percent agree with that. That makes such my my little inner inner me is going, yeah. yes, that's yeah, that, that's so cool. That makes sense. 
Oh, Jen, we got to take this show on the road, me and you. (laughs) (laughs) We do. We do. Yeah, it's so much more. I knew it was aligned, but I had no idea it was this much aligned. Okay, so I know, I can't believe we've already been talking an hour, and I know I'm going to have to wrap up pretty soon. But I, yeah, and I want to talk about the book and where to find you and all of that in a minute. But I want you to just give us a, guess in a nutshell, I know you work with women. Tell us who you work with. And what mm-hmm. that process, you don't have to do a deep dive on all your steps or anything, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. give us a feel for who you work with, how long's the process, you know, just give us a little, little yeah. bit on that. Look, the easiest, so for me, because I don't let my patterns put everything into a box for people now, and, and, and I used to, I used to, mm-hmm. you know, try and follow the, do it the right way. Mm. What I tend to do these days is I have, um, I work one-to-one with people and, uh, and some small groups. I do some small groups here and there. Um, but it generally just starts with a discovery conversation. We have a look at, you know, where you're at and generally, you know, I work with you for as long as you need. You know, I, I often say, um, you know, give it, you know, let's give it 12 weeks and let's connect every week, you know, for 12 weeks and let's unravel this with you together because the second you start to identify a pattern, I, I, I warn people, the minute you identify it, you're going to actually think that it's happening more. It's not mm. actually happening more. It was always happening that way. Yeah. You just didn't know Now you can see it. It feels like it's happening a lot. So, yeah, so it's, it's really just a one-to-one coaching, mentoring mm. process where I kind of hold your hand as you um, become really familiar and cultivate a friendship and a relationship with one of your patterns. Yeah. 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 It's almost like you decide you want to buy a white Volvo. So every time you get on the road, all you see around you is white Volvos. Everybody's driving a white Volvo. That's what that reminded me of, right? Yeah. Now, is yeah. it just women though, or do you work with women and men? I No, I definitely work with men and women. Okay. So, okay. My book, even though my book is called The Power of a Peaceful Woman, it's kind of really a yeah. practical memoir, if you like. You know, it's um, it really is. Uh, you know, I say it's um, it's written by a, a woman for women, yeah. But only because women will relate to my stories. You know, I I, I share stories about being a mom and a businesswoman, right. and you know, um, but I do encourage men to read my book, and and many yeah, many men have read my book and have gotten so much value from it so yeah yeah. that book sounds amazing where can we get that book is it on amazon or where do we go to the website anywhere yep anywhere you order your books online you can get it from amazon or barnes and noble any you know any of them book depository booktopia whatever your favorite um place to buy a book okay you can um either order it or get it get the bookstore to even bring it in for you yeah sounds like an amazing book yeah, even here in the States, we can anywhere yes, in the world you can get it. Anywhere in the world. Yeah, anywhere in the world you can get the book. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is just and, and the best place to find you is it's we send we're gonna send people to the website. Is that the best yeah, place? Come, come, yeah, come to my website because then you'll kind of, you know, you can find me, you know, it's all my yeah. social media. I'll give you my um I'll I'll um send you my link tree link oh, as well okay. because okay because that kind of then sends you everywhere i've got some free facebook groups that i run yeah. i have a facebook group called um powerfully peaceful women which is just a you know everyone anyone who is wanting to be a little more powerfully peaceful is welcome to join that it's a free group so i'll probably send you yeah i'll send you my uh, website and my link tree and that will kind of show you everywhere you can find okay. and connect with Okay. And is it, is it, is it at jenforster.com? What is the website? It's, um, it's just my name, Jennifer. Forster. Oh, Jennifer. Okay. Forster yeah. with an R, not Foster. With an R. Forster. People often the R, but it's Forster. Yeah, no. People always put an E. They always give me an E-Y. Right. It's all right. doesn't bother yeah. me. <laughs> I know who I am. Well, this has just been amazing. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for sharing such incredible knowledge. What a body of work. What a yeah! It's look. It's been um, you know how many I do have an MBA, but I, I I've done three masters. I'm sure in, wow. in the in the more than a decade that I have really immersed myself personally yeah. in this work. 
I would have to have another three masters on top of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I don't know what your master's degrees are in, but people are always laugh because that's not what my master's voice is not what my master's are in, <laughs> you know, no, it's my body of work, but right. I have a master's in business administration. I have an MBA, Yeah, um, but I don't really, I don't do work in that area. I no, I'd like to have that money back, please. <laughs> exactly. Like right. Yeah. Right. But you know what? Even that though, Tracy, even that doing my MBA was an unraveling of another yeah. pattern. It, mm-hmm. you, know, it, it's, yeah. it, it, you know, everything, um, I know I, I, everything happens. I, I used to say everything happens for a reason, but, but I really do believe everything just happens right yeah. in our life not everything that is meant for us can't miss it you know and totally. everything that, that happens for us is for us it doesn't happen to us yeah. it's for us so yeah yeah yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, that, I was talking to my other sister the other day and I was talking about safety and she just stopped in her tracks and she said, you need to let go of that illusion because it's whatever, you know, and I don't mean that, you know, go do something stupid, like go buy powdered sugar donuts in the bad part of town at four o'clock in the morning on a Friday. I don't mean that, but no, let go of the control is what she meant. Yes. Let yes, go. You're not in yes. control of the universe, Tracy. You're not. No. If we could all all just let go a little of control and just be a little more, you know, at least aware, begin to become aware of the law of impermanence, you know. Everything's rising and falling constantly. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's that's control. I mean, I guess that's a whole other topic, but just I see it every day, you know, people trying, I'm using my voice in a way that will control what they think. I can give you everything I've got, but it doesn't mean that I can control whether you like me or not. No, unconscious manipulation. We're doing it all the time. All the time. Yeah. Another pattern. Got to get in and see Jen and get her straightened out our patterns. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah, you and I definitely had clicked from the get-go, and I love that about, you know, almost all connections I have with people, I, I really universally um, manifested for me. So I, I really, I've really let go of, you know, that process as well and just know that, but I'm so grateful, Tracy, you and I definitely beat to the same drum. So thank you so much for allowing share my, my message with this, with your listeners today. Yeah. Well, I'm so honored that you gave us so much time and so much goodness and we'll definitely have you back on the show because it's, it's, we're definitely aligned and the work is definitely aligned and it's really, really powerful stuff that you're doing out there to change the world. It's really, really extraordinary. So you got, yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. And you guys check her out. I, I just, I'm, I'm going to have to get that book. I'm yeah. going to have to read that. I'll start there because that sounds amazing. So we'll have, I'll have all the links in the show notes. Uh, whatever Jen sends me, we'll get it in there and go check out her work. And, you know, and it's not so bad. It's, it's early evening Pacific time and it's morning in Australia. So it still works. Yeah. We can still sure. connect with people all over the world. So and I do. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you listeners. I love having you on board as well. I know you really got a lot of value out of this episode, but that's it for today. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. And until I see you next time, you know what to do. Get out there and speak your truth. Just do it beautifully. Thanks for listening to Captivate the Room with Tracy Goodwin. You can reach out to her at CaptivateTheRoom.com and be sure to grab the voice formula a free video series that will help you start making a bigger impact with your voice today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes.